What up, bros? What up, bros? And welcome to Bra Meets World. But it's Bra Meets World. <laughs> Your boy Meets World podcast. I am Siege. And I'm Tony Curtis. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing really well because today we have a special guest. Welcome Very back to the guest. pod, Yasmin Shimish. Thank you so much for having me. Um, as always, I am so happy to be here and to hang with you guys and to talk about this amazing show. I'm so excited. For for the listeners who aren't familiar, uh, Yasmin has actually a, an interesting relationship with our podcast because you actually found our podcast first, right? Yeah. And I then we we invited you to come on and you were just such a great host that we've just asked you back a handful of times and we're, we're so happy to have you back specifically for the heavier, bigger, important episodes, which I think this episode 100% is, so. For sure. Yeah, I think, was the last one you were on uh, and then there was Sean? Yes, the Halloween one. Yeah, oh, yeah. Not Halloween, sorry, my bad. The, but the scary movie one. The scary yeah, movie. Yeah. yeah. That that is that I was just saying, like you are here for the heavy hitters. Um I, I appreciate it. Absolutely. And that being said, this week we have another heavy hitter. Uh are you guys ready to like talk about this episode? I I mean, I think so. Um you wanna do the morning announcements first? You know, uh yeah, yeah, let's do let's do morning announcements. I don't know that I really have any morning announcements, really. Um, I have one. Uh, as usual, thank you guys so much for um leaving us your reviews on um Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places. Give us your five stars reviews. I'm gonna read one more um that I really enjoyed reading uh we got recently. It goes, What's better than diving into one of my favorite childhood shows? diving into it with two new friends who have a POC perspective of watching Meets World. The hosts are hilarious, authentic, and knowledgeable. So happy I found this podcast. Uh, and that is from Danielle of No More Late Fees podcast. So thank you guys wow. at No More Late Fees. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And guys, check out No More Late Fees podcast. Like, yeah. just I'm going to spread the love, you know? Wow. <laughs> So thank you guys. Um, so in particular for this episode, um, we we are doing Everybody Loves Stewart, the very famous Fred Savage guest appearance episode. Um, what's your history with this episode? I remember, okay, I was, this aired in 98, I think, I believe. And so I was, I was 12. <laughs> And even then, I remember when I first saw this episode, you know, particularly the moment where, well, I know we're going to get into it, but that moment where he crosses that line, um, I remember just feeling disgusted and feeling it in the pit of my stomach, even at like at 12, you know, and just, yeah. So, and, and I, you know, of course I've watched the show over and over over the years and you know of course that feeling still rings true um yeah so it's definite and and also i want to say i think the fact that boy meets world you know technically a, a kid's show the fact that they showed this in that context of the kid's show um you know because this is ultimately about 
the abuse of power dynamics, men in positions of power taking advantage or trying to take advantage of a woman. Um, and this happens in the world. And I think the fact that they showed this is really amazing and incredible. So. You know, I also remember watching this in its original air date. I was around the same age. Um, I remember being like, oh, cool. Ben's brother is going to be on an episode. I remember seeing the teaser, yeah. like watching it the week before and being like, oh, Fred's going to be on next week's episodes. That's great. Yeah. And then the juxtaposition of basically the Corey Matthews of the 80s mm -hmm. becoming this figure, I think was something that had like a huge impression at the time because we had only known Fred as this one thing. And now watching it, it's 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 very interesting and it also makes me it makes it even more uncomfortable watching it with just everything that's going on and i know we're going to get into it um but yeah i just i do give the show its props because you're, you're right as, as far as aging with the kids goes like this isn't something i would expect from boy meets where i maybe a different world might cover something like this maybe blossom but like 90210 like a more adult theme thing but for them to actually say no like we're gonna put Topanga Lawrence in this position and have you feel as uncomfortable as she does I think is really um a testament to how good the show is so Siege do you have any memories of watching this growing up absolutely not like that's one of the things that was interesting to me is going into this I remembered Fred Savage being like a guest star and so I was like oh the Fred Savage episode like that's how it was in my mind um, and I knew, like, you could just tell by the title, Everybody Loves Stewart. I was like, oh, we're, going, we're getting into something. And But I felt it, I thought we were going to get, I think I, like, mixed the memory of this episode and the episode of Belding's younger brother of Saved by the Bell, where it's like, he, <laughs> you know, like, where it's like, there's this cool young teacher that all the kids love on 90210, oh, no, sorry, on Saved by the Bell. And it turns out that, like, he's he's never there for the kids or like you know it's like he has like this really good reputation but it turns out he's not like a really good person but like from a he's not a reliable person type situation or you know there's drugs involved like i think it like mm. that's what i conflated everything with i did not know that we were hitting on some me too stuff and i was like oh i'm actually like i'll give this this i think episodes like this is what everyone thinks and remembers Boy Meets World for. You know, it's yeah. like we've been watching it and it's like, oh, I feel like we just kind of had all of these takeaways um, from this series and like this episode feels like one of those ones where it does stick with you. Uh, so it's very interesting to see that you guys remember this like from age 12, yeah. Mm -hmm. Also though, I, 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 I also had that moment, I remember when it first started, of course, like when I first saw it, like, oh cool, it's the guy, the kid from the Wonder Years, and it's and then and they're brothers. And I think the last time I saw them together was on that Monsters movie, Little Monsters, incredible, Little Monsters. incredible and which I had loved. So yeah, you know? and it's interesting also the fact that you know they put him, which is of course I know we're going to get into it, which is you know now watching it now, it's even more uncomfortable and really awful and ironic that this is the role that he's playing in this episode but you know but that being said it's like to sh show the kid from the wonder years doing something like this it's um so very well one done. of the one of the things that i um have really been getting into lately and i think it's just because like we do this podcast and then you know movies and all this other stuff 
um, living in the industry, I am really starting to learn to respect certain things like casting. And one of the things that I've learned with casting is that you bring in someone who the audience has like a certain idea about mm-hmm. anyway. So the idea of them casting someone like Fred Savage in this role where like it's called Everyone Loves Stewart. So automatically the audience is like, oh, I'm so happy. I'm so ready. I'm so trusting. You know, like you are in the student's perspective of being like, I can't wait to be around this guy. I love this guy. And then for the story to take the turn and you're like, wait, but I trusted you. Like that's that was the whole purpose of this casting. And so when I see decisions made like this, I'm like, oh, this is beautiful because you actually were able to put the audience in the in a kind of mirroring of the situation so they really truly understand the emotion yeah for sure guys guys okay i i feel like <laughs> i, I want to get into all of it i think we should do um the tell me about it just so we can give people the summary of the episode i have something about fred savage i want to share which i think might add some context and then i think we can really like get deep into it let's do it let's do it all right. okay okay give us this tell me about it it's real quick. Tell us about it. Tanga gets me tooed when Fred Savage crosses the line. And little did we know it wouldn't be the first time. Heaviness. 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 <laughs> I know. It doesn't, when it's heavy lyrics, it's like the, the, the melody kind of juxtaposition of the melody. I don't know. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Thank you guys. This is season six, episode seven. Everybody loves Stuart. A popular new college professor named Stuart, played by Ben Savage's real life brother, Fred Savage, is a favorite of his students because he treats them as equals but his true colors are revealed when he hits on Topanga in her dorm room. When Corey later strikes back, literally, on behalf of Topanga, Stuart tries to have him expelled from school, but is ultimately unsuccessful. I think that's good. Yeah, I, I think that's basically it. Um, yeah. and, and the reason why, for those who don't know, the reason why this episode is like especially like <sighs> weird is because um, allegations about Fred Savage have been coming out recently. He, um, you know, was tr- he did a Wendy Years reboot that he recently got fired over because of his misconducts. Um, uh, L.A. Times uh, wrote an article after Fred Savage was fired from Wendy Years reboot. More details emerged is the name of this article. It came out August 10th. Um, and I just want to read a few. I want to point out a few things that this article talks about. So Savage was first sued by a costumer who worked with him during the final season of the original Wonder Years. The actor was 16 at the time. The woman who accused him and um, the actor who played his, his brother, who was 18, of verbally and sexually harassing her daily. Another report came out in March of 2018 when he was working on the Rob Lowe show, The Grinder, that was on Fox. He was sued again, alleged assault and battery by the actor, and said that he displayed aggressive behavior, intimidation, and constant use of profanity aimed toward female employees. The lawsuit described a climatic incident in which Savage, after allegedly being counseled to change his behavior towards the woman violently struck her arm three times with his hand um after the show's director asked her to brush dandruff off the shoulders of savage's suit 
So um, what happened more recently uh, with the Wonder Years is that six women were interviewed about his conduct. The interviews say that they saw two sides of, of Fred Savage, a charismatic colleague and one with a darker alter ego. One questioned the strangeness of Savage's relationship with a much younger woman working on the crew, which she said included gifts and a stay at his home in Atlanta where the Wonder Years was filmed. One woman said he proceeded to verbally harass me and belittle me when she tried to sh shield the younger women on the set from him. Um, another crew member said, and this is really crazy, um, he followed her into the bathroom. He put his mouth on mine very forcibly and went for the top of my pants. I brushed him away, and then he put his mouth on mine again, grabbed my hand, and pulled it on his groin area. I was pulling back. He stopped very angrily. I showed or checked him so I could get out. So to understand that this is the allegations that are against Fred Savage, it goes on to say that he later like called that woman and left a voicemail apologizing for like upsetting her accidentally. It just like the fact that this is the character that he plays on this episode. And then this is who he is in the years since it aired it's all very eerie it's all very weird and it's just one of those things that like why did he choose this part was it something in him that felt a connection to it did he want to explore the ideas of it like did he want to just play in the sandbox with being a person who can intimidate other people i don't know what drew him to this role but it's very strange that this is just what's come of it so there's two um kind of ladder um everything that you're saying there's also a thread on um on twitter by the user abis obscure nick um sorry I'm, I'm probably butchering that but basically it's also just it talks about the connections that fred savage has with dan schneider um and kind of like their history as well and like the parallels and i just for anyone who wants to like read that thread uh i thought it was very interesting because we had talked about dan schneider i believe in the episode before this so to kind of see both dan schneider and fred savage both of which we know have these allegations against them um it is very interesting uh just to kind of see like everything that was going on and for me just remembering that Dan Schneider was allowed to do the things that he did for so long. It kind of makes sense that Fred Savage and him have like this, like it's all in the same universe. You know what I mean? Um, and as much as we enjoy Hollywood and we enjoy television, it is just something that we have to acknowledge. This place has a history and a reputation of having these kind of scandals come again and again. The thing that's also really interesting, and I I know we're going to get into the episode. I, I want to get into the episode. Uh, it's just interesting how, because uh, I don't know if you, you know this, that there was also an allegation against Marquise Houston of Immature and Sister Sister. Oh, I did not know that. This was This goes back a few years ago, but basically one of the members of B2K essentially says that Marquise Houston and um, this other manager uh, did oh, some did kind of that. sexual misconduct. And to me, I just thought, wow, like, and the reason why I'm bringing up Marquise Houston, who uh, played Roger on Sister Sister, who you guys probably know best from, um, 
and and Fred Savage in the same vein is that idea of like these were both child stars these were both kids in Hollywood and I wonder what these kids saw and experienced that made them go oh this is how Hollywood is this is who I need to be if I need to be in a position of power because this is how other people who are in power treated me I, I have no idea I have nothing to support that but there's like hurt people hurt people yeah. So it's just, it's just, it's interesting how that kind of Cyclical. all ties together. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Mm. Yasmin, anything you want to say to, to all of those things that we just discussed? Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I agree with T with, with what you're saying. Like it, it does beg the question, like, what did you see? What did you experience that made you, you know, that shaped this, thing in your head that makes this behavior okay that this is something that you know people in power do and they they manipulate and hurt to get what they want you know in, totally. in terrible ways you know and it's um i mean you see of course this is like a his terrible sad historical thing you see so many child stars who have gone through so much shit and who have been abused and taken advantage of and endured yeah. a lot of of horrible things that no child should um you know and it not to say that this is what happened with fred savage or or anybody mm -hmm. else um but you know you do see how this damages a person and how that impacts their behavior right it's yeah. Sure. I mean, we saw like we see what happened with Brenda Frazier. We see what happened with like Corey Feldman, like these actors yeah. who like came out and said like, hey, shit yeah. happened to me and I'm not cool about mm -hmm. it. And, you know, it's almost like there's two reactions to it. You can speak out about it or you can become part of the, the system. Okay. So speaking of Corey Feldman, I actually like I, I thought about that. I don't know if you guys watched. I think it was last year or maybe it was two years ago now. Also, like COVID the blur. Yeah. <laughs> He he um, created a documentary um, where he went right into all of the things that he saw when he was a child actor, and you know named people who who did horrible things to him, and you know talked about how it has really impacted his life negatively, and like he yeah. all of it. And there's a lot of people that I can't think I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's a lot of people, you know, I guess in the, the 80s then that were all part of that terrible system world. yeah yeah i heard about him talking about his documentary i also heard him saying that it got like like blacklisted or like they like screwed him over with it and all these things that they didn't want people watching it so i don't know it's if it's actually, available to watch but i would love to see it it's yeah. actually really funny because um i was i don't know if we've talked about this i <laughs> all things considered it's really funny but um uh, my fiance and I recently watched all of uh, We Need to Talk About Cosby. And what's interesting oh. about that, for those of you who don't know, We Need to Talk About Cosby is a series that goes over Bill Cosby's and his allegation, but also the legacy that is Cosby in Hollywood and like how he could be doing so many good things for the community and for Black people in terms of representation while also being someone who um, has done all these really horrible things, um, you know. And it's really interesting to see how much of it is actually just in plain view. Of course, in hindsight, like there are clips with him saying certain things where people were like, wait, that, that like, that's almost 
uh, confession. You know, like like yeah. like just the way that he's talking, the way that he's like the things that he's mentioning, the things that he's joking about, the things that he put in his TV series. It's like all of it is pretty much like saying, "Hey, I'm this type of person." And to go yeah. back to your thing, TC, of like why Fred Savage like may have going to there is something to me about an actor or performer who's just like oh i a i get this character and i know how to do this but also i know how those people get away with it you know sure. and, and sometimes the best way to get away with it is to kind of be in front of it you know what i mean um so yeah. when when someone does make allegations they're like oh you're just that like you're just reading too much into things you know yeah, um, I, I I really um, want to commend the show, too, because the way that they show predatory behavior, it's almost like a 101 of, like, how to push boundaries, how to, like, you know, it, it, in terms of, like, how a predator would go about doing something like this to a student. Um, I just thought it was really insightful. And the person who wrote this episode was actually a man. Um, Matthew Nelson wrote this episode. He wrote a bunch of great episodes, including the finale. Um, so yeah, it, it's just, it's interesting that that all came from a male point of view, because I would have assumed that it would have been from a female's perspective. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, let's oh, get into this episode. Wait, wait, do oh, you have something? Uh, yeah, yeah. Just the last thing I want to throw out there in terms of just like the zeitgeist of what was going on when this happened. So this um episode aired november of 1998 um in january of that year so like what 10 months 11 months earlier uh is when clinton said i did not have sexual relations with that woman oh, oh. So in terms of like people of power intimidating young women like while wow. everyone was slut shaming monica Lewinsky, boy meets world was like hey let's tell this story so i just i want i want to give props to the show for that wow Wow, wow. I'm really happy that you brought that up because first of all, we know that this show is very political or it can be very political. Mm -hmm. And they really do have like responses to what's going on in the outside world, uh, at least the white outside world. <laughs> mm -hmm. And one of those things is something like the Monica Lewinsky thing. I think especially as our generation gets older, we look at that and we're like, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I remember... <laughs> as a child, everyone blaming Monica. Like, it was all about how mm -hmm. she, what she did and all the situation. And we, our generation looked up and we were like, wait, no, the intern is the one you blame? <laughs> not, not, not the literally the man in charge. Not literally, literally. the <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the one who you guys, everyone just kind of like turned a blind eye on, but it was the child that you condemned. And I do think that this episode is pretty much reflecting that. And I feel like it's almost, what you say his name was Nelson, Matt Nelson? Matt Nelson, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Matthew I Nelson. Feel like it's almost like Matthew Nelson's being like, hey, we need to prepare young women to understand that this can happen to you. And by the way, very similar to Topanga in this episode, you won't be believed. So you yeah. need to you need to be prepared because this is the world that you are entering. Huh. Yeah, let's dive in. Let's dive in. All right. Thank you guys so much for letting us go on that tangent. All right. So let's get into the episode. All right. We start off, as we had talked about, thank you so much. Um, Fred Savage is our roll call. For those of you who have kind of heard, 
Um, he was the star of Wonder Years. He is Ben Savage's older brother. He makes a very special uh, appearance in this episode as the cool teacher. Um, and it's one of those things where you see, like, it's, I would say this opening scene is very much reminiscent of, like, what I think television loves about college, which is, like, this back and forth exercising of ideas you get to stand and be and have like the right answer in front of everyone sean is like laid back and cool and he retorts and it's a lot of back and forth and it and it does feel like what everyone is told college will be and it's like the best part of that and so i do think it's interesting that we open in like this very fun almost ping pong dynamic type scene Absolutely. And one of the things that I've noticed is that I don't think this show really knows what philosophy is. Um, Because <laughs> I feel like anytime they discuss yeah. philosophy, it's always fate versus free will. Like when Sean sat in at the college class when he was a senior in, in, in high school, fate versus free will. And now we're back with fate versus free will. And I was just like, I feel like there's other aspects to philosophy than, than just that. <laughs> and it's interesting because like the whole episode is about ethics. And even though like ethics is kind of retroactively thrown in as like this assignment that they had already done it would have been more interesting i think for them to have an opening dialogue about ethics versus fate versus free will which we've seen them discuss already i have to say i think that this opening scene really sets the stage you know apart from like the the, <laughs> the off like topic of like what they're actually talking about philosophically like the way that this scene works and the the, the things that they put in place I think is really smartly done because ultimately of course as we said this this is about the abuse of power dynamics right and positions mm -hmm. of power taking advantage of of women and this all begins with Stuart's behavior and how he manipulates trust, right? And and I think like right off the bat, there's a, mm -hmm. a few ways like in that opening scene that this happens. Like for example, like he calls on Sean. He's like Sean, who's like this, right? He's like Sean. Sean's like Stuart, you know. And right away, this mm -hmm. establishes this teacher-student relationship that is different with Stuart, right? Like even Mr. Mr. Turner, who was also considered young and hip, right? Mm -hmm. Even him, even he was Mr. Turner, you know, there's that distinction. Um, and then later on in that scene, you know, when Stuart's giving back the papers and he says this throughout the episode, he's like, this isn't high school anymore. Free, free, open your minds, free your minds. It's another, another, you know, thing. Then Corey says to Sean afterwards, he's like, man, I've been waiting a thousand years for a teacher like this. And Sean says, yeah, Stuart treats the students like equals, not like Feeney. Feeney was like a parent. Stuart is more like a friend. And like right there, that sentence, Feeney was a, like a parent and Stuart is more like a friend. Like the different framework of those two relationships is key because Stuart immediately blurs those boundaries between teacher and student and friend. And then it also immediately prompts the comparison between the yeah. two, between Feeney, who is, you know, traditional and older and Stuart, who is young and hip and, and cool. And like, you know, as, as you guys are saying, like it maybe represents this, this vision of college that they maybe imagined that they should have something like different and exciting and edgy. Whereas Feeney in a lot of ways also represents their childhood. Right. Yeah. So like right off the bat, like they really, have this like these and, and, and 
And to your point, like, um, about how, you know, Mr. Turner was Mr. Turner when he was mm-hmm. considered like the alternative to Feeney, the cooler teacher, the Feeney, yeah. um, there were still boundaries in place. And I think what, um, we kind of get into in terms of just like the, the comparison between Feeney and Stewart is these boundaries that Feeney has put up between mm-hmm. himself and the students that even Eric is like, there's something different about the way this guy is a teacher that rubs me the wrong way. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but there's something. And my belief is that it has to do with the boundaries that Feeney has set through as teachers. Even when the kids are trying to show him love and be super intimate, he's like, yeah. guys, I'm your teacher. I'm your teacher, yeah. which is not something that Stuart's doing at all. Yeah, for sure. And like Feeney, yes. Oh, like, so- oh sorry. Sorry if I interrupted you. <laughs> no, no, no. We, I was, we need yeah, the yeah, interruptions. Yeah. We, we need that. We can I talk. I'm passionate about this, about this episode, but no, but, but yeah, no, to your point, it's like, Feeney does have, you know, you could say he does have a relationship with the students outside, but it is the, it is about being their teacher and he mm-hmm. never crosses that boundary, even to the, at the end, at the yeah. very end of the series, he is like, won't cross, doesn't want to cross that boundary. He's uncomfortable with them hugging him, you know? Yeah. But, I, I was going to say, yeah. you're so right. Because what I was thinking about is at this, like, this is, for those of you who haven't quite gone as far, this is a spoiler for the end of the series that is like 30 years old. But um, <laughs> at the end of the series, they are always like, come on, Feeney, tell us you love us. Tell us, you know, like just admit that we are your favorites and all this other stuff. Yeah. And he doesn't. But when they leave, he goes, I mm. love you all. Yeah. And it's like, no, because Feeney is like, I, I do care. I do uh, I obviously my actions will show how much you guys mean to me. I followed you since you were in fifth grade, but yeah. at the exact same time, you need to respect me for who I am. Mm. And I think that one of the things that I thought was interesting about Stuart in terms of like earning the kids trust and getting them to see things is this idea of not only what we really see in the beginning is Stuart praising Topanga publicly for mm-hmm. her intelligence in yes. a way that where oh if anyone were to say anything it's like no he's he he lets her speak he thinks that she's a really smart student he's kind of like showing everyone in public how much he respects her and mm-hmm. finds her intelligent and then he also earns the trust of the guys by being like hey we're cool so, Sean yeah. I'll let you call me Stuart. You know, it's like we have this repertoire. So they're on his side because as far as public goes, he's earned the trust of the men and he's praising Topanga publicly. Mm. So everyone's just like, oh, what's not to love about and, this guy? And in terms of just like calculated behavior, you could see how like, I mean, later on in the episode, it's kind of revealed how much Stuart is aware of how things can be interpreted later. So like when he's making a decision, it's something that feels calculated. Like you said, him praising Topanga publicly feels like a bid to earn her trust, sensing that that's something that would mean a lot to Topanga to get public praise for her intelligence, which is so key to that character who we've seen get this like she was supposed to be in Yale <laughs> like she shouldn't even be here like her intelligence is off the chart so I, I feel like she needs that boost and that boost feels good for her to get in terms of having someone who she respects respect her intelligence publicly like that like it's a, it's a huge for her so I could see why it would build that trust and also he quotes her paper back to her like right at the beginning too which is so creepy 
I remember yeah. like, I, I watched this again last night and I was just like, ew. Like, yeah. Well, that's, a clue. that's a clue. Uh, yeah, Topanga, I can quote your paper, but yeah. later on he goes to Angela and he's like, I don't remember your paper, but we can we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. about it. Like, it, yeah. it, it's like, why don't you make house calls to me? There's like little clues in there yeah. that like he's paying specific attention to this one girl. Yeah. It's so funny because uh, a few things. One, I'm going to get T a bumper sticker that says it should have been Yale because, like, I don't think you will ever let that go. <laughs> Never. But at the exact same time. You shouldn't time, even be. Yeah, Clark's yeah. reference. I shouldn't even be here today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those things to where, um, as you were saying, I think Stewart is so calculated and so thoughtful about how everyone sees him, which which is important because at a later time we will understand he understands how optics work long term mm -hmm. like yeah. a lot of them are a lot of kids in general you're like oh this is fine or even we'll see like there are signs where it's like this is kind of off but it's not off enough for me to think about what it could mean it's just like off in the short term but I think what you're talking about, TC, when we transition over to Eric, Eric is like, uh-uh. I, I like, I don't, I don't know what it is, mm. but whether it's the way that he moved his hand, the way he looked at Topanga or whatever, something was inappropriate on a minuscule scale. And Eric was like, I know how that can exacerbate. I understand that going wrong. And, and yeah. Yeah, one thing I want to say about Eric is that like he immediately is like, I don't trust that dude, presumably because he's getting pervy vibes. And then immediately Kat calls Rachel for bending over. <laughs> oh my God, I know. It's, al it's almost as if the show is trying to make a distinction between like, oh yeah, Eric is a guy, a college kid who's horny, but there's a difference between him like just like looking at a woman he finds attractive and Fred Savage's character calculating yeah. how to manipulate a girl into trusting him. And I, I just thought that was interesting that Eric made his point and then they immediately cut to him catcalling Rachel. It, it, like, it was almost as if Eric was like, there's something about him that's different. And even me, I'm sensing it. I disagree. I saw that. I saw that as, or I guess like I can see that as them being like, you're not too far off from that you know what i mean it's like this oh. idea of like a lot of men being like hey that dude's something's wrong with that dude i don't trust it he's being inappropriate by the way i'm gonna be inappropriate immediately after and there's nothing wrong when i do it and i think that mm. there is there is this kind of thing of being like if we allow eric to do this now when eric gets in a position power what's to say that he won't do the exact same thing other than like you know like we know yeah. eric but it's just like when you condone these behaviors i think that it it's a slippery slope and i saw that as an immediate almost like not hypocrisy but like mm. a way of like this snowballing does that make sense no totally and i also feel like there's an element of like where we kind of recognize our own worst impulses. Mm -hmm. And so if Eric sees someone else indulging in impulses that he maybe withholds, he might see something as like, a, oh, that's a red flag some, somehow. So mm -hmm. maybe that's it. I also think, I have to say, I think this happens to Rachel throughout Boy Meets World. She gets sexualized in a really demeaning way a lot of yeah. 
And I think that is also, that also speaks to, you know, how women were treated a lot in yeah. time and also in ways which 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 again which i think know we're going to get into which happens i think throughout this episode in little subplots um or those little moments you know where things that are you know kind of of its time um that are considered you know to be acceptable, socially acceptable or not offensive, like how he cat calls her and also how he treats her later on in the episode, um, you know, where it's, you know, watching it when we're 12, you know, we may not be thinking of it as deeply as we do now, you know, because that's how women were treated. It wasn't uncommon you know, for a dude to be like, oh, look at her, look at her ass. And like, oh yeah. And like, and treat her like yeah. that. And, and it, because that's, that's, that's largely how women were treated and it was considered okay. You know, like, so, the show calls out Fred Savage's behavior, but the constant cat calling and names towards yeah. Rachel never gets called out, which yeah. is, yeah. Which I think is also, you know, it's, it's perhaps, I don't know if that is intentional. Like, it, I mean, knowing Boy Meets World, it very much could be intentional, but also being that this is a show of the 90s and this is, you know, behavior that was condoned, you know, maybe that was just part of Eric being like a 20-year-old kid, right, in college. And that's yeah. how they acted. That, speaking of Eric in this situation, it's very interesting because what it, like, Throughout this episode, Eric plays the role of the idiot savant, you know, like which mm -hmm. he does very often. But it's one of those things to where it, as you said, even though Eric spots it, he's discredited almost immediately from anyone taking him serious. And I think that I do not think that this is intentional, but it does go to show that when you are part of like this whole toxic culture, as we said, where it's like you are calling and all these like um, kind of displays of masculinity, it makes it harder for anyone to kind of like spot it ahead of time. Because even when someone does, they're dismissed. Cause they're like, I mean, well, you like there's how many times has, I don't know about you guys, but I've had these conversations with people from college where it's just like, no one really wants to speak up on whether or not something was inappropriate because they don't know if their own behavior was inappropriate. Mm. And there's lots of people where they're like, oh, I don't want to open that door because I don't want anyone looking down my hallway, you yeah. know? So I think that that's kind of like one of the things that I saw about the Eric being like, hey, that dude's creepy. And then catcalling, it's just like, oh, immediately everyone dismisses a very valid concern mm. because they're like, who are you to talk? Yeah. True. <laughs> Yo, one thing I want to point out is that you guys notice how Stuart switched up around the Dean, like even early on when they were getting coffee, like he's getting coffee with Topanga and then he's like really chill. And then the Dean walks up and he's like, oh, good, good morning, Dean. Good morning, Feeney. Like just really like he gets real professional real fast when there's adults around. But when the kids are around, he's like, I'm just one of you guys. And I, I something to point out, something to point out. Also wanted to point out that Rachel is actually sporting the Rachel haircut. Um, this, I just thought that was really important for us to identify. <laughs> Love it. Hey, can I just point out something else? This is like the first episode we see all the college kids hanging out together. Like up until this point this season, Jack and Eric and Rachel have been seemingly at a different college than the other kids. So this is like the first time we're seeing them all hang out. I think this is the first time Rachel ever talks to Angela ever. So what? like- 
Yeah, it's it, it's like crazy. Um, so it was nice to see them all together, but this dynamic kind of happens between Eric and Sean, where Sean's like, dude, you just don't know this teacher. Like, he's cool. Like, not everyone has to be Feeny. Not everyone has to have the same teaching style as Feeny. Um, just kind of proving that he's already won the trust over of, of Sean and Corey. So I have to say something about Sean. I think the way that Stuart impacts Sean in this episode is also really significant because yeah. Sean is somebody who throughout his life, you know, he hasn't been able to trust a lot of people, you know, and he hasn't been, I don't know, especially like, he, of course, you know, he goes through his whole educational career, like in elementary school and he's has a hard time being challenged and a hard time being excited about things. And then here he is and he's in this class and this teacher you know, excites him and he wants to participate and, you know, he trusts this guy and he respects him and he thinks a lot of him. And I, the and best I teacher he's ever had is what he the says. The best teacher he's ever had. Not exactly. to dis Feeney, but just to say that this guy's relating to his learning style better. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, 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 uh, Sean has been chasing after that, you know, like through his whole life, like, this thing that that he you know feels and yeah and I think the journey that he goes through in this episode where like he re really trusts him and is even you know later on he's like how can you say this about Stuart and you know and the whole journey throughout the episode I think is really significant for Sean yeah so, and I props to both Ryder and Danielle for their performance in this episode because I think both of them did such a great job especially Danielle of illustrating the shock and the disbelief of oh this is actually happening like multiple times Danielle's face is like this is actually happening and to Sean's point he kind of gets to that point too where like they both kind of realize they've been duped and their facial expressions kind of illustrate all of that you so yeah mattered. yeah yeah we're kind yeah. of jumping ahead but i do i do want to talk about that because i i also noticed the reactions one of the things i was going to say kind of to like uh answer or go off of yasmin's uh, point is that with sean i feel like we've seen a few episodes lately of sean really trying to redefine himself in college like i feel like sean like he what he's things he keeps saying is he treats us as equals not like a child like sean sees college as okay i'm an adult now and yeah. i should be respected as one i'm on my own i don't rely on my parents you know like there's just so much about sean in college that we've seen that he, he's really trying to establish i'm an adult now i'm i'm I take owner of my own destiny in a way that makes sense for a character like him. So it also yeah. makes sense that Stewart would kind of zone in on this one. He's like, oh, this guy wants to be treated as an equal. He wants, he actually wants his uh, paternal figures to all be a little bit more relatable. So I can gain his trust and get an ally just by making him one of the guys and, and respecting him as the adult that he wants to be. You could also like, I, I really, it, it, it could have been a really cool opportunity to present us with the hole that Turner left in Sean's life as well, of just having this like cool mentor figure that he felt like he had a relationship with that he could get along with. And maybe even seeing like his relationship with Stuart 
like spur those kind of same emotions of just like, oh, this dude's kind of giving me Turner vibes. Like he's he's like someone I feel like I can be close to. Um, and of course, the disappointment of not having that actualize could have been something we could have explored even deeper. Um, the next scene is the dorm scene. Oh, go ahead. I, no, I was going to say, I also think it's interesting because um, what I see is whenever someone, especially children, are like, oh, I want to be treated as an adult. A predatory adult understands what a child doesn't, which is that mm. there's a reason you're being protected and you don't necessarily understand everything that comes with being an adult. So one of the things about Stuart that he's doing is treated by an adult is adults, especially um, with someone who isn't necessarily aware of everything, take advantage of each other. You know, like it's like this game of like, oh, you don't even know how I'm setting you up for failure. And when you're a child, most people are setting you up for success. So that's one of the things of Stuart seeing Sean want to be treated like an adult. It's just like, if you want to be treated by like an adult, you're about to encounter a lot of things and that you are not prepared for. And I think he recognizes that naivete and in Topanga in the opening scene where she's just like, I think everything's going to work out just fine. And he's like, you really believe all that fairy tale stuff? And she's like, yep. And he's like, I do too. Like trying to like make her feel like the world is a fairy tale, even though we see the big bad wolf of the story is hiding in plain sight. So it's, it's, it's interesting how he's able to recognize that and use it to his advantage. Perfectly said. And as you said, the next scene, talking about in plain sight, he Ooh. comes to her dorm room. And this was like, like out of everything that I was expecting this episode, this is where I was like, um, what are we doing? Yeah. Why are yeah. you in any, like, I don't know a single teacher who, like, even if you did know, I don't know a single teacher who would step foot into a student's dorm, let alone a girl's dorm. <laughs> well, like, this is beyond inappropriate. Yeah, this this scene especially was just like a step by step of him pushing boundaries left and right. I'm gonna come here to discuss something appropriate in the inappropriate inappropriate setting. And as that, like we, he goes through the scene, he inchworms closer and closer to Topanga. He yeah. like slowly starts pushing. Like he starts touching her. Like we can get into it, but it's just it's interesting how there's like almost a crescendo of him like seeing his opportunity and just like ramping up towards it and like yeah. inchworming closer and closer towards it. 100%. 100%. But it's also funny because as like, what's interesting is he paints it as, and the show paints it as gray area, like we're in gray area. But what's interesting to me is like, no, 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 no. It's not gray at this point in time. It's just inappropriate. The fact that you are here is the inappropriate part, but like there is lots lots of that can be argued where he's like oh but but don't i have a valid reason and it's like the answer is no but you're right that optically it could be argued and that's all i'm gonna say see you're an adult uh, all the adults <laughs> in the show recognize his behavior as inappropriate it's only the children what? that are like okay well he came to the dorm what's like it's it's I think that's blatant. I think that's what it's supposed to be. Like everything you're pointing out, I think it's supposed to be there. And hundred percent. And I think it's because like, like from the very first scene, like there's this trust that he, that trust that is like built around these blurred boundaries that he has created. Right. Mm -hmm. And like that allows him 
for that allows Topanga to feel comfortable enough and trusting enough because she's a child and she doesn't see the bigger picture of what he's actually doing to tell Angela like oh go ahead to the student union like I'll see you there in a sec no, mm -hmm. no because she feels that trust because this illusion that he has created you know and then oh the and I have to say like reiterating or reiterating like how well written this is that the writers literally put step by step like how he begins he presents the line by literally quoting her paper being like yeah you know you're talking about great it is possible i wrote it here with like it is possible to cross the line morally and not cross the line actually and he's like what do you mean and she's like well it's about gray areas and then they make it abundantly clear what's about to happen that he is like about to cross the line morally go right into those gray areas mm -hmm. and cross the line actually within using those blurred boundaries that he has created to actually cross it and and crossing the uh, crossing the boundaries, meaning stopping by to Topanga's dorm when she wasn't expecting him, you know, staying in the door, dorm when Angela leaves, you know, Angela even jokes like, like leave you that guys should, yeah. leave Angela that door like, open. Hey. Yeah. I was like, Angela is no fool because what the yeah. moment I this, like there are moments in times where you get like a little bit like that where I'm like, what that tells me is Topanga has a black parent who's like, okay. Like, it's just kind of like this thing, and we've talked about this before. Black children are prepared for a more harsh world sooner than um, non-black children. Um, and I will say that that, to me, that one scene of Tamika be like, leave that door open, is very Angela much- saying, like, or, yeah. sorry, sorry, Angela being like, leave that door open, is kind of played for laughs, but it also goes to show that Angela, was like, this is not outside the realm of possibility. Yeah. Like she, to be fair, she didn't like stay in the point of like being like, she wasn't concerned enough to be like, I think I should stay here. But mm -hmm. she was definitely aware enough fair. to be like, hey, this is a grown ass man in our dorm room. Topanga is a newly engaged girl. No matter what I was going, mm -hmm. even if everything is above board, keep that door open. You mm -hmm. don't want people thinking something mm -hmm. you know and what's interesting too is that right after angela leaves the first thing stewart does is he sees a picture of topanga's mom and she's like oh she's pretty like it, it, first of all we've never even met topanga's mom by the way like we have no idea who topanga's mom is at this point we've met her dad like three different times um but just that thing of just like oh your mom she's pretty like let's talk about something that's not college related like let's immediately like touch on personal stuff and kind of going back and forth between the oh so you've been to Martha's Vineyard and just kind of like keeping that side conversation going that he keeps dipping back to every time she gets uncomfortable like oh we're just chit-chatting like it's not a big deal so I just thought that was really interesting that he pointed out her mom's picture also I have to say I think the seminal moment in this scene is when Topanga looks at Stuart and she says, Stuart, you're making me uncomfortable and I want you mm -hmm. to leave. I have to say, I love, like, this is, Topanga is a character that is, she's smart and she is, she knows she'll stand up for herself, you know, even mm -hmm. when she's scared. And I, I really, I love that she does this in this moment. And then he says, that's not what you want. And yeah. And the fact that he says that, it just, I mean, that is 
her face, the illusion of this cool teacher that she trusted, this person that she trusted shatters. And here is this predator on her bed, like her, his hands in her lap, you know, and it's, it's, it's. He, and yeah. he, he so, like, what a moment. Yeah. He finds so many excuses, like he's talking about the paper, and as he's talking about the paper, he sits next to her. Mm. As he's talking about the paper, he's like, well, hypothetically speaking, like, we're just talking about the paper. What if I'm your teacher and I find you attractive? Like, what yeah. if? Like, like making it something that, like, I'm removed from, There's this is just us talking hypotheticals. I'm also going to hold your hand now at this point. Yeah. Creeping even closer, at one point, brushing the hair out of her face after she says, I'm uncomfortable. Like, just constantly finding excuses to get cross her boundaries get closer and to have more physical interactions but also cross her boundaries by constantly asking her quote unquote for permission uh as he goes further because he says he says something like oh, well i'm your teacher and i find you attractive have i crossed the line and she's like hmm. well no and it's like again you know yeah. that you have but you also before you before you pushed it a little bit further you're like you're okay with this aren't you and you give her this choice of being like, well, I didn't tell him to leave in that moment. Like on reflection, she's going to be like, these are all the things that led up to it. And he asked me if he was crossing the line and I said no. Hmm. So he's giving her some kind of culpability to the whole situation. So even when she thinks back on it, she'll have to literally question herself. Yeah. And I yeah. think that that's actually, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say to a point Yasmin made earlier about blurring the lines between like, we're equals, we're equals. One of the things he says to her is like, we're adults. You and I yeah. are on the equal playing field. We're adults. Mm -hmm. I want to get to know you better. And that's what I'm going to do, yeah. period. There was no question there. I'm going to do this. Her eyes get so big as the realization that like, oh, fuck, this is actually happening. Like, her acting in that moment, even though she's saying very little, is phenomenal. Just the fear and the confusion that you see in her eyes at the same time is just uh, one of her better performances of the show. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Danielle's, her, in this scene, it's like, as you said, she doesn't say much, but, like, you can see the journey of what she's going through of this experience all on her face, and it is so powerful. It's, it's yeah. really incredible. Um, but yeah, once again, you know, he's, he is, you know, taking things and twisting it in a way where, you know, he's like, no, this is okay. You know, we're adults and like, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing this and like, am I really doing this? And she's like, no. And it's, you know, he's finding ways to twist the reality to take advantage to his benefit. Yeah. Right. I think it's also twisting the optics because yeah. it's like the thing is what happens yeah. in that room is what happens in that room yeah. but by changing the narrative by doing it's one of those things where it's like by doing one little thing by asking one little question he gives her out so as we can see later on he says didn't i ask your roommate to stay and mm -hmm. you told her to leave is that true and it's one of those things where it's like oh he's aware of like what he needs to do like it's something that i can't remember what we were watching but i was watching something recently where i was like oh no no, no. that person knew what they were doing because they knew that if you were to just deliver the optics the actions one by one 
to tell it back, nothing happened. To actually like, if you tell the story, either nothing happened or you're at fault if you're just going to tell things how they happen narratively. But if you, it's the feelings that won't be able to be expressed. Yeah. When it's being retold. And that is where you, that's where predators thrive. In that in between where it's like, oh, no, no, no. If you were going to tell this story, nothing happened. Yeah. If you were in that situation, everything happened. Mm -hmm. And also to what TC pointed out and Danielle's acting, what I love about this and what I really talk about very often as someone who has been assaulted is there's this moment of shock that goes through your brain, at least for a lot of people, not everyone, because I've heard a lot of people be like, oh, why doesn't she leave? Why didn't you say something? You know, like there's all these like putting the victim in this place of like, why didn't you take action? And what I love in that scene is Danielle performs perfectly. This idea of your brain just being like, wait, what? <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, like, no, this, I, this is someone I trust. This can't yeah. be happening. This like, it, like you're having this discussion internally where you're like, no, no. Yeah. Is, is this yeah. really what's going on right now? Am I reading this situation correctly? And the entire time that you're having that conversation internally, the thing just continues to happen, you know, yeah. like, and there's that delay between what's happening outside and what your brain is able to take in because it's such a shock. It's such a sharp turn. And I just thought that that's why for me, this scene is so impactful because it shows oh. that, that moment of being uncertain in the moment of your reality. Totally. Um, and, and even the- what, one of the things I love too, to your point, is that when Corey comes in and he's like asking her what happened, what happened, she's just quiet. Like, she's like, I don't even know how to put into words. Like, I need to reflect. I need to take a second to like figure out what the hell just happened. Like, I don't know. And like, I just thought that was really brilliant. One thing I want to point out is that when Corey comes in, even though he's really like cool with Stuart and he's like excited to see him, he points out three red flags right off the bat. Yeah. He's like, if I wasn't so trusting, this would look bad. Why don't you ever make house calls to me or your male students, let's say, Feeney would never do this. So like mm-hmm. he he those are the three things he says immediately and he's just trying to takes it as like he sees the positive light of it. He was like, "Oh, if I wasn't so trusting, like I'm glad you guys have this cool relationship and why don't you make house calls? Maybe you'll swing by my dorm and Feeney would never. Isn't this guy so cool?" And Danielle's like, "No. No." And like, I just thought that was really interesting how he saw those red flags, but thought of them as like almost green flags in a way. Totally. I, I have to say, I think like this is again, a credit to the really brilliant writing mm-hmm. because throughout the entire episode, there are these, these red flags and they reiterate them all along the way, mm-hmm. you know, like to make sure that you get the audience understands, you know, this is what's happening and this is not okay. It's funny to me because um, literally yesterday we threw a friend a surprise party and everyone's like, oh, you really didn't know. And it's like, there's all, as you said, there's all these little things because it's just the way that the world is. There's all these little things where it's like, well, I thought that this was weird, but I dismissed it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's just like, it is, it's amazing how often, and uh, like, if we want to go back to it, I think what's great is Eric knows enough about himself to trust that instinct. He, Eric was like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Something mm. was weird, 
but I don't trust that guy. And I yeah. know that's going to come back. And I think that this isn't like not to put it on anyone, but it's just interesting to me the number of flags that, as you said, we all see and we're like, huh, that's weird. That's inappropriate. So much so, I'm going to comment on it. But at the exact same time, I'm just going to let it go. Because how yeah. could it be what, how could it be what I think it is? That doesn't make yeah. sense. And also, I think it goes to show, you know, when you're in a situation like this, when you're in it, you know, you're not expecting this horrible thing to happen. Us as outsiders watching it, you can see it being played out. But when you're in that moment, you don't think this is going to happen. No. You know? No. Especially when you have all this trust in this person. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think no. it's heavy. Yeah, I want to go back points. to what TC said, which was that um, Danielle, or sorry, Topanga in the scene says, I'm uncomfortable. Mm. I want you to leave. And he goes, that's not what you want. And this idea- That's the scary of, turn of it. That's, yeah. that's, that's what I'm going to say. That, that moment right there is so impactful. And so I'll say it's a real earth shattering moment. For of, Topanga, yeah. For Topanga, of like, I've always, I'm someone who feels like I have autonomy over my body. I get to say who I interact with and who I don't. And then immediately with just one sentence, he goes, oh, wait, no, you don't have as much control as you think you do. Yeah. And that's where that, for me, that shock is, is it's just yeah. like, oh, I just found out that all of those horrible things that I hear happen to other people can happen to me yeah and that kind of earth shattering like this is what i think people mean when it's like it's traumatizing it's just like oh no no her entire world was just changed yeah because she learned yeah go ahead oh sorry sorry no, you go ahead I was gonna are say, you so, so canadian and polite interrupt us please <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i was just gonna say that she learned in that moment that 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 danger can be a lot closer than she thinks it is. Yeah. I was just going to say, what would have happened if Corey didn't walk into the room? Totally. He walked in that one beat after he said, um, where Stuart said to her, that's not what you want. He yeah. came in right after. What would have happened if if he didn't? I I mean... And I think Topanga's thinking that too. It's yeah. like, well, what would have happened had Corey not come? Yeah. And her saying, Corey, I didn't like him here. Um that's actually to me it's really important because it also shows she didn't say he did this thing she just all she all she could say was i didn't like him here i didn't yeah. want him here yeah and so much so it's interesting topanga doesn't go into it of what exactly happened but what we see in the next scene is we see Corey approach stewart from a place of hey and I, and I think this is interesting because it's so true to, as someone who has been in this situation um, of having to confront someone who you found out did something to someone you care about, yeah. so many men do approach it from a space of being like, hey, this is what I was told happened and I don't have all the pieces. Can you mm. fill me in? You know, it's just like, hey, I'm going to give you an opportunity, even in this moment, to kind of still prove to me that you're a good guy. Mm. Can Interesting. you do that? You know what I mean? You know, you know what's funny? I thought that, like, 
excuse me i don't think you're wrong in, in, that, in that assumption at all but when i first watched it i was like Corey's didn't come out swinging right off the bat which i thought was like I was trying to understand that too. I was like, is he approaching it this way because he's trying to respect the boundaries of student and teacher? Like, why is he like being so calm about this confrontation? Like, he doesn't seem weird about it. He's just like, oh, I don't want to talk about the paper. Topanga said you made her uncomfortable. What's up? Like, it just, it was interesting yeah. that there was no like, hey, dude, I'm kind of pissed at you and I want to talk to you. Like, there was no aggression or anger shown from what we saw. It all happens quietly in the background, which is really interesting. Yeah. I have to say, I love this part. Um, first of all, again, when they are, when we do see them talking, Stuart again says, this is not high school anymore. Once again, like reiterating, we're adults. This is what happens, right? But I have to say, I love that moment, you know, where you see Corey push him through the door because I think anyone who is watching, it was very satisfying to watch mm -hmm. because I think anybody who has watched this part and feels horrified, you know, is angry. Not that violence is ever the right answer. It is not, it is never the right answer. But in this context, I think it is a real reaction because this is someone, Corey has, I think like the weight of this is enormous on him. Corey has just found out that his teacher, this man who not only holds a position of power, this person he has trusted, who is in the same position theoretically as Mr. Feeney, who mm -hmm. is like his parent, who is like a cherished role model in his life, has just tainted all of that, has taken advantage all of, on all of that, has tried to prey on his wife in his room, in her room alone. You know, like I would want yeah. to Stuart through the door too. And even Feeney later on says to Stuart, like, I, I want to rip your head off and throw it down the hallway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so I think, I think, and also I like credit to Corey who, you know, is what, like 18 or 19? He is yeah. a kid, right? And he, he, perhaps who, you know, may not have the emotional development to be like, okay, what is the best way for me to approach this? despite the fact he does go in and talk to Stuart first and be like, Hey, like what happened? You know? Um, I, just, I, 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 I think, yeah, I think it is, I, it, it is a real reaction. I just wanted to say quickly that like what I thought was really powerful in Ben's acting in that situation is that Ben does the same thing Danielle does mm -hmm. in the previous season where she's like, I'm uncomfortable. I want you to leave. And he's like, that's not what you want. And she's like, what? Wait, you're, yeah. I'm, I'm communicating my needs to an adult and you're not respecting me. Corey yeah. does the same thing. He's like, hey, Topanga felt like you were coming on to her. He's like, so what if I was? What you gonna do about it? He's like, wait, what did you just yeah. say to me? Like, what? Like, how are you a teacher not respecting what I'm saying right now? Every teacher I've ever come to with a personal issue has treated me like I'm a person of substance and I don't know how to respond to this, which I thought was interesting. Yes. So one of the things that I was going to say, because we're getting into this, uh, T, I don't think we ever talked about this on the pod, but I don't know. And I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but what I thought was interesting specifically, because Jasmine, you say what was heard repeatedly after this ha incident happened in real life is violence is never the answer is the response that we got when Will Smith, this is the year <laughs> that uh, of the Oscars where Will Smith slaps Chris Rock. And what was interesting to me is the mere fact that this show would show Corey's responding in a way that was like, 
oh, no, 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 no. You don't get to talk about Topanga in that way without there being reactions. And everyone is just like, what happened? Like, like, the, like for me, this, this situation of a male uh, partner mm. kind of responding to the disrespect of his female or woman partner and that in itself created this reaction of of violence as you said it's like is it the answer not necessarily but is it a very realistic response a hundred percent yeah and i just thought it was very interesting because the show is like look at Corey doing what needed to be done Will there be consequences? Maybe, but at the exact same time, you're rooting for this guy because he respects his wife. Uh, yeah, and, I, and when I, you I, take I, that exact same situation mm-hmm. and you just change the melanin, <laughs> all of a sudden, yeah. Yo, you yeah. do make a very good point that this episode blatantly says that no one's above an ass whooping, like. Like it, 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 they're doing their part to be like, no, he's gonna face consequences for a day, but we need to put everything in its proper context. And even though violence is never the answer, the what it was in response to can also be equally horrific. And I think that that's what the show does a really good job of of showing is that violence is one way that we can, um, you know, hurt another person, but it's not the only way that we can hurt another person. Ooh, that was well said. Well said, T. Um, you know, guys, I don't typically like to end the episode so abruptly. However, as you guys can tell with this conversation, our juices were flowing. I There was just excitement in the air. We got really into it and we ended up talking for well over two hours. So instead of you know, putting you guys through that. We're going to cut this up into two episodes. Um, So join us next week for the exciting conclusion to Everybody Loves Stuart. As always, you guys can find us at Brown Meets World in all the places, iTunes, Spotify. You know, if you're listening to this on podcast, I don't got to tell you where to find us via podcast. You already know. This is for like the YouTube people. People on YouTube, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the places there. And for my podcast people, check us out on YouTube because we everywhere, y'all. We all over the place. What's up? Um, Be sure to leave comments, subscribe, ratings, all that stuff helps us so much. I want to once again thank Yasmin for coming out and being an amazing guest for this week's episode. As always, guys, I want you to dream. I want you to try. Nope, I don't want you to do good. I want you to come back for next week's episode where we conclude Everybody Loves Stewart. That's what I want you to do. You can do some good, but really come back for next week's episode. The exciting conclusion. The two-parter. It's going down, (sighs) y'all. Later, bro. When this boy meets world.